Obi-Wan never told you what happened to your father. He told me enough. He told me to kill me. If Karga said you were coming, we have your border. I like those odds. Hello, bonjour, and welcome to Forest Moon Radio, an X-Wing Miniatures podcast. Forest Moon Radio is a twice-monthly podcast talking about all things Star Wars, with a huge emphasis on the X-Wing board game. Hi, and welcome everybody to another episode of Forest Moon Radio. I'm Luke, or Lunatic, as my online gamer tag, and I'm flying out of London, Ontario from my basement, and uh, today we have our usuals. We have Dave. Hello. We have Justice. Hello. And we have a very special guest, our big host of the host uh, Lone of Star Open. We have Brent Wong. Hi, everybody. Hello. Welcome. Oh, Lovely thanks. to meet you. Oh, nice to meet you guys, too. Hopefully, I'll get to see you guys out in an event sometime soon. That would be awesome. It's, it seems like a far-fetched dream to go to any American events at the moment, but... Well, is the border still closed? Yeah, unless you're a hockey team. <laughs> <laughs> um, so thank you so much for coming on. We'll we'll have lots to talk about, especially about your event coming up soon. Like the first really big in-person event of note that I'm aware of. For now, it's, uh, I'm just going to ask you a couple of questions. Do you have uh, a local squad... Uh, whereabouts are you recording from? Sure. So I'm located in Houston, Texas. The Houston X-Wing group is known as Apollo Squadron. You know, harkening back to NASA, Johnson Space Center, the Apollo Space Program. I guess you could say that my main faction is probably going to be either Rebels or the Resistance. Uh, I really like X-Wings. I'm a big Resistance guy myself. Is uh, Houston where you originally are from? No, originally I'm from Mississippi, and then I moved to Texas by way of Alabama about um, ten years ago. So when when it comes to actually like getting an X-wing, is there like uh, who got you into it? Like, did you discover it yourself? Like, when did you kind of start getting into X-wing? Well, do you want the short version, or do you want me to just really go into it? <laughs> oh, we, we love it when our guests get into it. I sure, mean, I'm so... on this podcast, friend, so. Getting into it's what happens. Right on. So um, about the 2012, maybe 2013 timeframe, right around wave three of um, first edition of X-Wing, um, I was looking into getting back into wargaming. I'd gone through a really bad breakup. And what I decided was that I was tired of moping around all the time. And to get me out of that funk, I decided to... Do something new every Saturday, regardless of if I wanted to or not. And one of those things that I wanted to do was get back into wargaming. I um, wa- I was looking to get back into 40K because I, I used to play 40K during third and fourth edition. And then I stopped playing before, uh, right before I moved to Texas. And then I didn't, didn't bring any of my stuff with me when I came to Texas. So I um, drive down to one of my local game stores called Montag's Games. And I'm looking... For- they were open late, 
and I was looking to buy a, a Space Marine Tactical Squad because I was always a Space Marine guy. And I looked at the box and I looked at how much it cost. And I said, absolutely not. These <laughs> things have just gotten entirely more expensive than the last time I played. You would think that GW would want me as a customer because I'm single, I have a good job, and I have disposable income. But I will absolutely not pay what, 60 bucks for, was it five tactical marines? Yeah, no, that's not even a full squad. Nope, not happening. I think when I played in high school, I was an orc guy. I never played it properly, I don't think. But I think a starter set was like 120 bucks Canadian at the time. I'm pretty sure it's a lot more now. Because that uh, came with like three or four squads plus like a war truck and stuff like that. Well, I think um, that what they do to keep the pricing down for GW, especially in those starter sets, is that the figures are or the miniatures are not nearly as articulated, so you can't pose them as much. So like the entire Marine might be on the sprue, not the torso, the legs, the arms, and the head. Um, so it's you know not as articulated. I'm not sure if the detail is less or not, but I think they still try to keep that point of entry... You know, it's still expensive, but if you go in with a friend, it's a lot more doable. Um, I think I was um, not as smart as you, and about four or five years ago, I was not into Warhammer at all, and Games Workshop convinced me to pay like over $200 for an art book, some paint, and a little squad of um, goblins that threw bombs or something. Yeah, that yeah. was not a smart move, because I never played again, I just ended up giving all my Warhammer to a neighbor kid. So, <laughs> Well, so... Back in the day when I played Warhammer, I did very similar stuff to what I'm doing now. So I would travel to the games days. I would assist with uh, I would assist GW with running their events, um, not necessarily like as a judge, but more of as you know just staff. And part of that was because I wanted to get paid because their stuff's expensive. So when I went to GW Games Day Chicago, I, I don't remember what year. Um, I ended up spending all my money that I made from them on their at the local store, and I bought nine pairs of lightning claws to go on Captain Shrike's retinue, which made that like a three to four hundred dollar squad of ten miniatures, super expensive. And then another edition came out, and they invalidated that entire squad. So that's when I gave GW the middle finger and quit playing. Then, like, oh, they made the saying, squad illegal. Yeah, or... you, you could not take the squad anymore. It was a, it was nine assault marines with lightning claws, as as Kvan Shrike's retinue. And I don't remember what the rule was, but I think it was I couldn't take assault marines as part of the retinue. It, whatever it was, didn't work anymore. That was like over I a decade ago. That, like spending all that time painting and paying for really expensive miniatures and then them telling you you can't use it <laughs> uh yep that's that's where i was coming from so they, they lost me as a customer then when i tried to come back i looked at how much they cost and i was like uh-uh absolutely not still not gonna be a customer but i saw some people playing x-wing and i've always been a science fiction nerd you know i, I love star trek um i like star wars i'm a much bigger trekkie than i am a star wars guy attack um, wing well, Attack Wing is a terrible game. Okay. <laughs> um, but, but I looked at both Attack Wing and X Wing. I didn't buy anything that when I was at, when I went to Montax that day. I decided to um, just look around, see what they had, 
And then like the following weekend, I go into a different store and I see uh, someone who now I consider a really good friend uh, named Daniel Casalasi. He was playing at swing at a store called Asgard and it just looked really cool. Nobody was playing attack wing, um, but they were playing X wing. The miniatures looked great. They were pre-painted. And, you know, he, you know, he started talking to me. He's like, Hey man, after we're done with this game, uh, I'll give you a learner game. And after that, I was hooked. I went out and bought a couple of starter sets because, you know, even now the, the X wing starter set is a great value. You get, you know, uh, two tie fighters an X wing cards to play and everything else that you need to play. And the rest is history. I mean, I started playing locally. Then when FFG launched their flight crew program, I assisted at PAX South. Um, After the PAX South event, they announced the first system open series. uh, And I reached out to my contact at FFG. He's no longer with the company, but his name was Matt Holland and said, hey, Matt, uh, do you guys need staff for the Hoth system open in Chicago? And he said, yes. So he must have liked the work that I did for him at PAX South. And that's when I started judging. I started first at PAX South. Then I did, I mean, not not PAX South. I first started uh, Hoth System Open. Then after Hoth, I think was the 2016 uh, Worlds. And then I've done every Worlds tournament since then. I've done multiple System Opens. I've worked as a contractor uh, f- directly for FFG. I've worked as contractors for companies that FFG subbed um, work to, uh, running events. I've traveled all over the United States, uh, all over the United States, judging X-Wing, staffing uh, for X-Wing, which leads us to today where I'm putting together the Lone Star Open for Frontline Games. Uh, you're correct. Uh, this is the first large in-person event since the COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, I've worked with getting excellent prize support, not only from Frontline Gaming, but from many other communities uh, throughout the United States and even across the pond over in England. Definitely want to give a shout out to all of those people, you know, their sponsors. So, you know, Frontline Gaming, we've got Fly Better Podcast, we've got Team Jawa, Gold Squadron podcast, the Carolina Crates, and um, the Renegades. All of those people have donated their resources to make sure that we've got excellent prize support for um, the Lone Star System Open. And I would also be remiss if I didn't mention Wade Pache. If you guys are familiar with um, the former organized play team at Fantasy Flight Games, Wade Pache worked for Fantasy Flight, and he's the guy who did a lot of the artwork for prize packages that were officially promoted by Fantasy Flight Games. And so we, we, and by we, it was me with um, Fly Better Podcast was the one who was providing the monetary support for this. But we have commissioned artwork that will be our playmats for... It is awesome. a beautiful playmat, if y'all haven't I, seen it. I heard about that, and the playmat is... Um... The one that'll be out on and the LVO, the Las Vegas Open, you'll be able to put them together. And Correct. So make one big picture, right? Right. So um, the Fly Better guys and I, uh, you know, we're definitely friends. Uh, I would say, you know, uh, D and I are good friends, and I consider Farmer a pretty good friend as well. 
And, you know, I was talking to them. It's like, you know, I, we got to do something great. And I'm not sure what we want to do for for this playmat. And when Frontline Gaming came to me and they said, hey, look, you know, what do you want to do for a playmat? We can do whatever you want, but I need a design or I need some some ideas so that we can get it uh, taken care of by X date. And I go, well, Las Vegas Open is taken care of by um, the Fly Better guys. So that's going to be D and Farmer. And, I, and I'm not sure who else is part of, you know, I would say part of the Fly Better um, group, say management for lack of a better term. And I said, hey, you know, this is what would you like to do? I'm thinking of doing some type of modular design so that we can use this playmat across multiple events to help keep costs low and have some type of continuity between any of these frontline events. And Farmer misunderstood what I had to say. He comes back to me, he's like, I've got an excellent idea. And what he heard by modular was multiple panels, not one mat where we can take elements in and out interchangeably and leave the design itself largely the same. And Farmer's idea was excellent. And he goes, what I want to do is I want to do something similar to like Squadrons, um, you know, the video game Star Wars Squadrons, where we have the Rebellion versus the Empire. And what would be cool is if we've had it over the planet Yavin. And I said, oh, that's cool. And um, and he sent me some imagery. And I'm like, look, I don't know if we can do that. That's that's all copyrighted imagery, right? I mean, everybody knows the Star Destroyer, but Star Destroyer is owned by the mouse. And depending on what we do, the mouse could possibly come after us, and I don't want to have to deal with that. Now, to be fair, our event is probably too small for the mouse to care about. And by the time that we got a cease and desist, the event would have been over anyway. So it's probably not that big of a deal. And he goes, well, what if we have holes that are in similar shapes to, say, the Rebellion or the Empire coming out of clouds that will probably get us around it and the mat that was designed by wade pache looks excellent i mean it's clouds over oh, the planet I... yavin it's it's um you know great clouds you see uh i guess either the the planet of yavin behind it because i think yavin 4 was a moon and then you see um two nebulan bees coming out of the clouds as well as i forgot what the larger rebel ship was called in um it's not home one. It's smaller than home one, but it, it looks great. And so the other half, which will be available at Las Vegas open will be the Imperial side. So star destroyers coming out of the clouds. I would yeah. I'm on the uh, website right now and I just posted a link in the chat. Uh, the mat looks gorgeous. I would, I would really hope to be able to go to LVO if I could purchase like, I really hope that I'd be able to purchase the other one online, but I think um, Ryan said that you can't. You'd have to go there. Well, so they are available for purchase. They are $50 USD. Um, what I'm seeing from a lot of people online is they are purchasing them, and then they are reaching out to people that they know that are, will be at the event and asking if they'll bring them back for them. I mean, the great thing about neoprene mats is that you know they can fold down pretty tightly if you need them to. Hey, Justice, you want to bring me one? Hey, yeah, I, I'll ship one up. Uh, that's gorgeous. Like, uh, I better buy one before they uh, go out of stock. Uh, so they're print on demand. So I don't think there's a minimum 
uh, I mean, a max order size. So I think they can just kind of the technology that Frontline is using is dye sublimation to, and then they are of course affixing that um, image to the rest of the the rubber of the neoprene. I, I think that's how it works. Um, but it is dye sublimation print on demand, so they can print as many as they want. Uh, once the event is over, this mat will not be available anymore. So it is kind of a limited edition thing. And then the great thing about this is that if we do additional X-Wing tournaments for Frontline, say, New Orleans, because they're thinking about doing a New Orleans event. I think they're thinking of doing another East Coast event. We can add additional panels to go in between the Rebels and the Empire. Oh, wow. Yeah. And then, of course, we would get Wade to do the the artwork for those additional panels. So we could have like just a really gorgeous picture um across multiple mats. Uh, I think this is the first time that anyone has done this for X-Wing. I'm not, I'm not sure if they've done this for other games, but it's it's going to look great. Yeah, so that's the play mat. Yeah, I just posted it on other... our Twitch here. It's gonna, it, it looks really nice. Um, and, and there's other prize support, I, the whole document. Oh, yeah. So so we have, of course, first, first and second place trophies. And those trophies are LED trophies. So it's going to be laser-cut acrylic with... Um, that's the Lone Star Open 2021. It has a Texas logo uh, that was um, largely of my design, and then it will be illuminated from the base. So it, the the trophy itself will glow. The champion trophy will be larger than the runner-up trophy. And then, of course, since it's an LED lamp, it can be multiple colors. So that's first, second. Top four will get, of course, the play mats. Uh, then we've got templates for top eight. The templates for top eight are provided by uh, a Fly Better podcast. The templates themselves, their imagery is... Do you remember when the Rebellion was, were planning for the different attacks and they're in front of a glass window with some type of map with lines and circles on it? That's what the templates look like. Um, and so that's provided by Fly, Fly Better top eight. Top 16, um, Team Jawa... In collaboration with Kuat Print Yards, they have they have provided strain and deplete ghost tokens. Each each player that uh, are top sixteen will receive three of each. And so think of them as ghost stealing your red dice or ghost stealing your green dice. They're <laughs> they're really cool. They look great. And then we've got faction prizes provided by both uh, Gold Squadron. Uh, Gold Squadron is providing faction pins. If you are if you're familiar with Gold Squadron, these are the same faction pins that they distributed throughout um, some of their other the galaxy events. Yeah, and then are they going to um, be streaming at all? Gold Squadron. Yes. <laughs> Gold Squadron will be streaming. Uh, Dion, I don't think will be there. No, Dion will not be there. But um, Will, I don't remember Will's last name, but hey, Will hey, would be. Who? Hegwood? Hegwood. Yes. Uh, Will Hegwood is supposed to be um, our streaming personality. And then thermal detonator tools, which I have still not seen final imagery for, but every player will receive a thermal detonator tool, which is provided by the Carolina Crate. Uh, We have additional faction prizes from the Renegades, which are dial covers. They are really nice if you haven't seen those they gave them out as prizes through their tournaments online this summer uh this past year 
Uh, keep talking about it because there's one thing that I'm looking up that. Um, um, yeah, I I know I have the fire spray, I have the renegade, and I also have um all the separatist dials from them. Really cool. They're thick, you know, acrylic dials. You just put your the maneuvers on the other side. Luke, did you get any of those? I don't believe so. Okay, you beat me in uh where which tournament did you, uh Kyber was the one you beat me in, right? Yeah, the I uh. I got top 32, so I just got cards. Okay. Have you guys heard from Atomic Mass Games at all? Uh, I've reached out to my con- my contacts at FFG, well, former employees of FFG, and let's just say Asmodee has not responded to any inquiry that I've made, um, either officially or through side channels, hmm. um, which is unfortunate because I'm pretty sure there's a lot of 2020 uh, prize support that will probably never see the light of day. Um, and it would have been great if, if I could have gra- grabbed it for them, or grabbed it from them just to augment my prize support. Even. Right, right. Like the official cards and everything. Yeah. So one of the things that a lot of people, a lot of different groups have wanted to donate to my tournament are alt art cards. And I, I'm not accepting um, alt art cards. And, and the reason why is that Every item that I provide for this tournament, I want to be able to be used at any tournament. So third-party dice, straight out. They look great, but, you know, if you can't use them at an official tournament, I don't want them there. You know, same thing with all dark cards. You know, there is some copyright issues there. Uh, I think for an event of our size, I don't think it's that much of a big deal. I don't have a problem with groups passing them out, but I I don't want them to come from me as prize support. Ah, fair enough. And definitely no freaking metal dice. I hate those things. So, they're expensive and they're and they make loud sounds. Well, and they always I, land on one side. Like they're so it's so easy to just drop them and have them land where you want. I hate it. So you're about to say something. Uh, I was going to say that brings some rules questions up if we want to get to that or. Were you finished, Brent? Or oh, yeah. We, we... Uh, so there, there's some more prizes. We're getting some critical hit tokens that will be provided to, I think, first and second place, and then the group that's providing them have requested that the remainder be given out to people in the salt mines, which I, I definitely can do. I, I will say, just seeing all the prize support and stuff, it is like great stuff for the first big event. It's a Shame that it's this is all done by the community, like the prize support and everything. I think that's more what I was getting at when I asked about AMG. I just wondered if they, yeah. you know, do they are they going to throw you a poster? Like, you know, are they recognizing that you're doing the first event? That they, you know, I, I'm not saying that they're doing anything right. wrong or have to do an event, but um, even if they don't have prize support for you, they can say. I don't. So, I don't know. They should say something. I think. Yeah. So I, I have no official support from AMG, FFG, or Asmodee. I wouldn't expect. Yeah, I wouldn't expect FFG. But oh, where are they still in charge of Legion? No, no. Nope. No. No. Oh, and so um, I will have additional. Um, their critical hit tokens that are being provided by Recon um, Recon tokens, and yeah, fr- from Recon tokens and. Uh, I haven't seen them yet, but if um, the tokens look anything like the logo that they sent me, they're going to look excellent too. Yeah, this uh, big in-person event—it's a big deal, and I'm yeah, I sure mean, uh, a um, lot of people are looking forward to it. And we send you all of our support and spirit. 
Well, thanks. Instead I appreciate of, it. Instead um, of physical goods. It looks like a gorgeous venue. I'm looking at their website now. And then um, I, I should also, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention um, my staff. In addition to myself, I have two judges. Uh, one judge, judge is your very own Justice. And then another, which is a Houston local, his name is Brian. They'll be assisting me uh, throughout the tournament for the entire weekend. And I would not be able to do this without their help. You know, what I, are, I what are the dates? Time to give. Sure. The, the dates for Lone Star Open are going to be the July 23rd through July 25th in Allen, Texas at right the on. Waters Creek Convention Center. And Allen is just part of the Dallas Metroplex. Pretty much yeah. it's D- Dallas. Looks like North Dallas, right? Yeah. Yes. It's north of Plano. But no, I, I'm judging because, you know, Brent, I think, is one of my favorite judges. Oh, thank you, Justice. Well, because you answer my questions at God knows what hour. Um, <laughs> so it is great that I'm able to get back helping to judge this event. Definitely appreciate the help. Like I said, uh, I could not do this without your help or uh, Brian's. So, do any so, Brent? Here's a question though for you, as the judge of one of the first big major events. Um, what's do you think is going to be the biggest judge question? So you're asking me to figure out what the meta is, and I'm not a meta player, so I. Well, no, I'm just. I think I. I think the biggest thing that they're going to call judges for is uh bumping. Uh, so bumping will probably be part of it. You know. Art checks, movement, and then, of course, card interactions. But, yeah, most of the stuff's going to be easy things like, is this an arc? Or is this, um, you know, can you help me make this maneuver? Yeah. Because everyone's been playing online. We all know how easy it's done online. And in person, it's going to be chaos. You'll have to get used to uh, spatial recognition again and... Anybody bringing a swarm is going to have a hell of a time getting used to that again. Yep. Hey, we got wiggle room. We're fine. Oh, yeah. I play two ships. I don't care. <laughs> so I have a, a pretty uh, pretty easy softball question to start. If uh, you're, you guys are both judges, you can both answer. We were talking about arc, um, arc calls and whatnot. Uh, lasers or range rulers for you guys? Range rulers. Range rulers. Always, eh? Yeah. Lasers I've, I've heard uh, D. Yoon say that as well when his when he's judging. He doesn't like the lasers. Lasers are not always straight. Or have they been calibrated? Well, uh, the way that these lasers work, I mean, at least these cheap ones, they use a lens to make the line, right? Instead of it just being a pointer, it uses a lens, make it from a point to a line. And depending on that lens, it can... Um, that line is not necessarily straight. It could be possibly more of an arc. Also, with a range ruler, it's a tangible physical object that you can lay down on the table. You can um, hold it to where all players can see it. Um, you know, a lot of times with the laser, if you're holding it above, um, at least for me, sometimes my hands will shake. Yes. And uh, it can make it a little bit different or difficult to determine, you know, whatever you're trying to check. Is and, unless you, unless it's maybe your laser, like the judge's laser, I don't know. But if the battery is getting a little, I, I find the, the line can be a little fuzzy, a little thick. Yep. Yep. I, I don't, yeah, I don't know. I don't mind on a regular Tuesday if someone's using it, but uh, yeah. sure. glad and, to hear a judge would like to use a real ruler. You know, I'm not going to tell players that they can't use lasers. If, if both players are comfortable with that, 
then that's great. Um, but if they call me, then I'm going to be using a range ruler. It sounds like Justice will be using a range ruler. Oh, yeah. Well, I haven't had a discussion with Brian about this yet. You know, my directive to him will be you need to use a range ruler. Speaking I mean, of- it, it can definitely make your life easier. But for me, it's not about making my life easier. It's about being as accurate as possible. Because yeah, it's it's my job to make sure that players not only have fun, but they're treated fairly. Yeah, speaking of checking ranges, I remember, this is kind of off topic a, li- a little bit, but I remember an old iPhone app that used AR technology to like scan the X-Wing base and it would tell you the range on your phone. Like it would make oh, I remember a that too. digital that was pretty arc. Cool. Yeah. But I don't, I don't know why that wasn't ex- hasn't been explored more with um, all these uh, crazy developers and X-Wing that we have. <laughs> uh, well, one might be that even if they developed it, they can't use it in, in an official tournament, right? And two, while the developer will say, hey, this is what this shows, how do you test that? And how do you how do you ensure that someone else hasn't modified either their camera or the software or um, on their phone to maybe make it in their advantage? You know, that's actually not range three. Maybe that's more like three point two five range three point two five, which would definitely give um, a player a little bit of an advantage when they're trying to shoot somebody. Well, it's the same thing as like the FFG dice app. It's like the do you trust the computer on the dice app, even though it's legal by FFG standards? Well, so the difference um, there is that the dice, the official dice app, is official. Yeah, right? that that's. I've always been on board with, um, like FFG or AMG to kind of take on third, like Yasby or Launch Bay Next, like just hire one of those guys. I always thought that'd be a neat idea. I know it's not realistic because they're they're a big company. They're under Asmodee and Disney and all that fun stuff. There's a lot of hoops to go through, but I always thought that'd be kind of neat just to bring one of our, our community list builders or somebody like that to come in and kind of be an official. Well, you know, thing. on that part, you know, um, have you ever used the official tournament software provided by FFG? So they have official tournament software. It has become deprecated. But before um, it came out, you know, a lot of people were using Chris Brown's software package. Cryodex? No. Yeah, Cryodex. And Cryodex is great. And, you know, when we found out that FFG was doing this, um, I'd had several conversations with Chris. And Chris was like, man, I would have just given it to him for the price of beer if they wanted it. At least that, that's what I remember our conversation to be in. You know, FFG didn't want anything to do with it. Cryodex is, you know, if you don't need any online functionality, Cryodex is excellent. I mean, there's a reason why the community used Cryodex for years. It was reliable. It was robust. Um, it did what we needed it to do. It's simple interface. And uh, FFG's, uh, at least their online one, it was definitely pretty. It was, uh, I would not say that it was necessarily reliable. The only one that I saw uh, from FFG that's, but working out really well is the Keyforge one. Yeah, they had one before that. I was a beta tester for it, but it's been so long since I've used it. I don't remember what it's called. Oh, it was called Tome. Yeah. And the only reason why I remember that is because it, apparently it's still bookmarked in one of my uh, folders on my web browser. 
No, but anything else? About this particular event no, or this... just judging questions? Yeah, ask away. I'll answer what I can. Um, if it comes to card interactions, I'm going to want to pull up the cards. And generally before a big event, I spend several days studying uh, rules again. Oh, and wait, I wait, you're answering my question. No. Oh, sorry, sorry. <laughs> Go ahead. So my, I, one of the questions was, it was more a general judging question. Um, is there a rules doc to help you? How, how do you decide, like, you love the game. How did you decide you want to be the judge? How do you decide you're good enough or, you know, how, how did you get how did I get into this? this? Yeah. Yeah. So when they announced the first system open series, uh, specifically Hoth system open, I saw the prize support and I said, I want that. And I thought to myself, well, generally if I'm playing in a big tournament, I do mediocre at best. I generally tend to hit a wall when it comes to about, uh, after round three and I'm just tired. So I reached out and said, Hey, uh, I want to judge for you guys and hopefully they would give me some prize support. And they did. So that's how I got into it. I wanted the stuff and I knew it wasn't good enough to get the stuff. <laughs> so just greed. That's perfect. Perfect. Pretty much. Awesome. And then as things progressed, you know, it just started becoming second nature to me. Um, I would, you know, before an event, I would study the rules, uh, not only the official rules, but any supplemental rules at that time, we didn't have the supplemental rules then, but I was um, a play tester for FFG, so I had um, the capability to ask rules questions directly from FFG as well. Um, as I started doing more and more events for them, um, I consider lots of the game developers my friends, and so I would have different channels and avenues to reach out to them. But one thing that I always tried to keep in mind is don't abuse this. You know, these people, yes, they happen to design or they happen to support this game that I love to play, uh, this community that I love to interact with, but this is their job. And so there need to be some boundaries in place. Um, so like some of these guys that I'm friends with, at least on Facebook, unless it was coming up to a crunch time and I needed an answer, I would try not to reach out to them on Facebook. I would try to only use official channels to, um, ask them what this interaction meant. And then as I started asking questions, as I started conferring with other top judges of the time, um, you start to understand what the cards mean. And yes, they're in English, at least here in the United States, they're in English, but they have their own language in and of themselves. You know, a lot of problems that players have is that they start making inferences based off of their experiences of just using the English language in general. And, and you can't do that. What does the card say? Well, it says this. So do what it says. But what about this? That could also mean that. No, no, it doesn't mean that. Take it at face value. Take any other inferences out. Or, or and, uh, it doesn't say I can't do that. Right. But it doesn't say that you can either. <laughs> right. So it's it's being able to interpret the language used on the cards. And it was, that was a lot more difficult in first edition than it is in second edition. Um, part of second edition is that Frank, Frank Brooks, his job was to streamline the language to try to get rid of any ambiguities that were in first edition. And, you know, at the start of second edition, I, he did a very good job, but now they're starting to introduce terminology that, um, 
doesn't necessarily work with the rules as they were originally made for second. Does that, does that make sense? I understand what you're saying. Yeah. And that does not mean that Frank did a bad job. I don't think so at all. No, the game just keeps growing. Correct. I've been on the wrong side a few times. A few? Yes, a few. I've been on the right side, too. Of what? <laughs> Rules. Oh. Brent was the judge of one of my favorite X-Wing stories, interactions from 1.0. Brent was at Worlds with the tractor shenanigans and everything. So I feel this is a good payment. When I, The first thing Brent asked me, though, when I said, oh, I'll help you judge, yeah. Is if I'm going to do any justice uh, isms in there. And I told him, no, that's only when I'm a player that I'll try to push the rules as far as I can. That's true. Only true story. A- but uh, you, what were you going to say about the tractor beam stuff? Well, you were uh, with the Nantex and everything. You were the judge for that Worlds in 2019. So you had to deal with all that tractor beam and Nantex problems. Yeah. Okay. Just, just wasn't sure if you were going somewhere beams? with that. What's no, no, no. Happening? I'm just saying that's I've been on the wrong side. Were you at that event? Yes, I was at that world, Brent. Did I know you at the time? Yes, you took a picture of me sitting there and sent it to the uh, chat group. I don't remember. I don't remember <laughs> what I did yesterday. <laughs> Just blame it on COVID. Uh, blame it on COVID. Yeah. Um, so this being hyperspace um, for that, uh, the main heat events, I don't think people are going to be like whipping out six uh v1s six barons like that that might be kind of a headache to get all those pieces i doubt most people have that many inquisitors to begin with what do you think is going to i'm thinking that Django zam is going to be the most popular maybe rebel a wings uh, it could probably be the most popular uh, list that you'll see out there it could be uh like i said i am not a meta player so i don't really follow um the meta um i also have think i've played exactly zero games online since the pandemic so probably the wrong person to ask i will tell you that you will see a there will be a lot of Django zam but never push i mean people said that even in when we were all playing like no one's gonna own that many ships and people showed up with that many ships but no it's gonna follow a lot of people and that's the thing i think is gonna happen with the judging you're going to see a lot of thermal down and ears, a lot of Django Zam. So here's a question, Brent. Just what do you think about blue tape to help secure things to the map? I don't have a problem with it as long as it doesn't, um, like if you're talking about like asteroid stuff like that. Yep. Don't have a problem with it uh, as long as it doesn't elevate the height of that asteroid. So, I mean, if you're doubling it over and just popping it down, it shouldn't be a problem at all. What about for bombs? I think he's uh, mostly referring to the thermal detonation, uh, thermal detonators issue. Putting two down at a time can create a lot of pumpage. Sure. So I don't know if I necessarily have a problem with that, but remember, um, every player will receive an acrylic thermal detonator tool at this tournament. Every player. Oh, I missed that. Every player. Uh, I'm. That's cool. Uh, so if I didn't say that before, uh, every player will receive an acrylic thermal detonator tool that is provided by the Carolina Crates. Yeah, no, you might have. There, there was quite a bit of prize there. I just lost track. Yeah, Actually, a very decent amount of prizes. So this is, yeah, this is going to be a fun weekend. You know, uh, I'm trying to make since we haven't had any premiere events in what 18 months. Actually, oh yeah. Uh, I'm trying to make this as close to an, uh, a premiere event 
um, as possible. So I want to make this uh, tournament, you know, I want it to have as big a draw as possible. Um, but also w- what I'm treating this as is kind of like a pilot program for um, frontline games. So if we can show frontline games that X-Wing players will come out, if we're showing, if we can show them that we are as good of a community as we all know that we are and that people have a good time playing at their events, then the goal is for Frontline to continue to do X-Wing events and, and then, of course, to contribute um, better and better prize support. Yeah, so, yeah, th- so they're doing the stuff. way that I like to think of it is that I'm a contractor to Frontline Gaming okay. specifically for specifically for the X-Wing portion of their gaming convention. So you could kind of think of me as like a project manager for Frontline Gaming, even though there are no official agreements in place. Um, you know, it's, hey, Brent, we heard that you're very good at running events. We've heard from multiple sources that you know what you're doing. And um, we're going to be close to you. Can you help us run this event? And I said, yes, I can. Uh, They asked me, how many players do I think is realistic to come out? And I said, "Uh, 200, 100 day one, 100 day two. And um, they said, great. And then it was coming out to, well, what can I do to get players to come out? I was like, well, they want prize support. And then players started asking, what's the prize support going to be? And, you know, I didn't have an answer for that at the time. Um, so I reached out to them, uh, to them, which would be frontline. And I said, hey, um, players are asking what prize support is going to be. And they're like, well, this is, you know, really new for us. We don't know what type of turnout we're going to have. We're hesitant to pull, you know, to put a lot of resources because, you know, we're a business. We've got to make money. And, you know, like, I understand. My parents were entrepreneurs. I, I grew up in a family of entrepreneurs where if you're not making money, you know, why are you even here? You know, if you can't afford to turn on the lights, you know, somebody's going to lose their job. So as I started, you know, talking to other people in the community, I'm like, you know, what would you guys want to have as prize support, you know, Frontline will definitely be providing playmat. Uh, I'm not sure how many yet, but they're definitely going to be providing playmats. Um, and that's when the community at large, since, you know, everybody who is donating prizes, they know me. Like, they've met me. Many of them I consider friends. And the ones that I don't consider friends, it's not because I don't like them. It's because I just haven't had a chance to spend a lot of time with them. And, and that's what makes this community great, is that the community stepped up to make sure that we had an excellent event, um, not just for Frontline, but that everyone has a good time and that everybody leaves with something. Yeah, exactly. I don't think there's anyone in this community that I hate at all. I can think of a couple. Uh, there's this dude named Justice, piece of garbage. Uh, yeah. <laughs> can't, hand, can't stand him. I mean, yeah. And yeah this I guy named Farmer that. and Dune. Yeah, those. <laughs> yeah, you popular randos. Popular yeah. randos. You, just, you don't I have any idea. Every, of the... I listen to them every week, and I just can't stand them. You know, I, I just listen to hate. It's like a sports talk show. Uh, you you, sure, you have yeah, any idea of numbers of tickets right so now. far? Um, so the last update that I received was three weeks ago. So these are definitely out of date. The numbers that I received were before I started doing my big marketing pushes for price support and letting people know about the mats. At the time, on day one, I think we had 36 
No, day two was 36, and day one, I think, was like 28. But those and numbers so, probably have grown since. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure it has. My contact at Frontline, he, um, he doesn't have real-time access to those numbers. Also, I don't really need to know what those numbers are going to be, right? Um, I, I want to know just to make sure that I'm doing a good job. One, providing things that players want, and um, two, making sure that I get the message out effectively. And, and being on your podcast is part of that, making sure I get the message out effectively. But, you know, since he doesn't have real-time data uh, of what the turnout is going to be, I can ask him, but he's got to go ask someone else. And then, of course, they have to be comfortable with relaying that information to me. What I'm hoping for is to get at least half capacity, so 100 total players. Um, I'll be very happy with that. I, of course, would want more. Unfortunately, with the way that uh, Frontline is structured and how X, how I know X-Wing players to be, we really need p- players to pre-register for the tournament. It's going to be very difficult for us to possibly accommodate uh, last minute players or players who just show up for the tournament. I may not have table space for that um, because my table space is determined by the amount of ticket sales that I have. And what um, what I've worked out with Frontline is that, and this date has already passed, is at um, X date, we're going to have that many play mats plus 10 as overflow. And, and those plus 10 is not just overflow, but that's also my table space for pods for aces high. Um, so if I get enough, if I say I get enough players that sign up at the last minute and we use those tables, then not, now I don't have space to do pods. And, you know, that could definitely be a problem because players are traveling from all over the United States. I, you know, I think for the most part, there's still closed borders everywhere. So I can't say that people are traveling from out of the country, but for the most part, People are traveling a long way, and just like in an official tournament, you can only play in one heat, uh, either day one or day two. So if you come for the entire weekend, what are you going to do if all my table space is gone and you're here to play games? Like, What are you going to do? So, you know, uh, if you are on the fence, please sign up. Hopefully I can still get mats available. The, the thing is, is that these mats are being manufactured by Frontline. Not only are they being manufactured by Frontline, they're being palletized, and they're being shipped. And, you know, you, we have to take those logistics into account to make sure that things get to where they need to be on time. Yeah, they can't just make them and ship them that day, so. Right. Yeah, as to how many people are traveling, is there anyone, or do you specifically know, like, um, the furthest uh, people are traveling right now? Uh, I like, don't, but I can tell you that um, Paul Heaver will be there. Um, Chris Allen will be there. Um, so those are some East Coast guys. I know that Andrew Knuckles uh, from Alabama, he will be there. Uh, a few Alabama people. Uh, the Barons are coming. Yeah, the Barons are definitely coming. Um, in fact, I, I do not have the majority of my prize support I don't have right now, um, and I won't have it until uh, probably just before the tournament starts because Andrew Knuckles will be transporting all the acrylic that he's cutting for us himself. Oh, wow. Um, 
yeah, he, he is driving into Texas. Um, and I actually spoke to him about this, I think yesterday. And I said, Hey, how, how am I getting this stuff? And he goes, well, I can mail it to you or I can bring it with me. And I said, why don't you bring it with you? Cause, uh, I don't want to spend more money. Um, because, yeah. you know, I'm cheap. Andrew is great. I, yeah. I love his templates. So I bought some white ones and hand-painted them, and they look awesome. Oh, yeah. And I'm collecting the, the Fly Better ones from Patreon right now, and they are amazing. And so from the West Coast, I know D's going to be there. Farmer's going to be there. So, yeah, it's going to be a great turnout. Um, the yeah. GSP people, at least, to, I know Hayward's going. Yeah, and I'm, I'm sure that we'll have some people local to chicago that will be there i think tyler tippett will be there um you know I'm, I'm doing a lot of name dropping these are all people that i consider friends and you know hopefully i will have time to spend i will, I will have the ability to spend time with all of them um outside of a tournament setting because uh it's been a long time since i've seen these people uh, i consider all of them my friends and you know if they were ever in houston needed a place to stay they would of course uh, my door would be open. Like we said earlier, uh, there's really no one that I don't like uh, in the X-Wing community, except for Justice. Um, but if Justice needed a place to stay in Houston, I'd give him a place to stay. Thank well, you, that's, Brent. That's true awesome. X-Wing love right there. It might be the patio, but he'd have a place to stay. Ah. Now that Same you, to you, uh, Brent, if you're ever in Abita Springs. Cool. Or whatever. <laughs> Now that you mentioned all these players, like I am so excited to see all these players that we haven't seen online or on stream at all in over a year to actually um, hopefully see them on stream. Like Tyler Tippett, uh, Ryan, and Dee. Like we haven't seen any of them do any events at all. Yeah, and since, and since Worlds and since Texas System Open, like it's been so long. And and, and I'm grateful to. You know, not just my local players, but these people who are spending their money to travel halfway across the United States um, to play in one of my tournaments. It's, um, I guess you could say it's humbling for me because at least the way that I see it is they want to make sure that I do well. You know, they just want me to do well because, you know, they are grace. This is a bad phrase, but they're gracing me with their presence, right? You can host an event and have three or four hundred players online. But if you're hosting an in real life event and people love you and want to come out and support you, that's a I think that's a lot more impressive. And and like I said, uh, you know, I, I consider them all my friends. And while I'm not sure if I've met you, David, or met you, Luke, um. I'm sure we would get along swimmingly as well. Uh, next yeah. time you guys uh, come south of the border, um, bring me some cheesies. Cool. <laughs> and some Ruffles All Dressed Chips, of course. I'm waiting uh, for that Ruffles All Dressed <laughs> Chips gift bag. Uh, I don't know what that out. is, but I do not. I, I don't like ketchup, so I'm not going to eat your ketchup chips. <laughs> we don't oh. like them either, don't worry. Perfect. I love them, okay? Oh, I forgot. I mean, those, like those, um, the extra crunchy ones were really weird. I'm not going to buy those again, but the uh, like ketchup Lay's chips is a classic, and Ruffles Old Dress is the freaking bomb, okay? It's amazing, oh. and I don't know why you guys don't have it. One thing that I wish would take uh, more of a, um, would be more prevalent in the United States is a poutine. That's oh, yeah. Good. <laughs> it's so good. Um, I was talking to my girlfriend about it, and she's like, poutine? What's poutine? It's like, oh, it's awesome. It's French fries, it's cheese curds, and gravy. And he's like, "That sounds gross." I'm like, what are you talking about? 
what sounds gross? You eat French fries and you eat cheese. Like nobody's business. She's like, yeah, but gravy's gross. I'm like, um, what? that's the best part. I'd say it's maybe even healthier than American cheesy fries. <laughs> I, I would, I would agree. I love gravy. Uh, real and cheese. <laughs> so I'm just like, mm, I might have to reevaluate this relationship that you don't eat gravy. And she goes, "That's okay. <laughs> what? What? That just means turkey? more gravy for you." I guess. Like, oh, okay. Smart yeah, if woman. You, if you come up here, like, just go to Costco up here, and you can order a Costco poutine, and it's huge and it's amazing. But yeah, there are some actual like poutineries, like straight up just places that sell just different types of poutine oh that sounds awesome yeah we got it we got a couple different places and every every place here we got mcdonald's poutine we got wendy's poutine we got harvey's a and w poutine like every fast food place has a poutine as well but yeah um thank you so much for um i'm sure that we have more questions but i i before i forget um this is something that all of our guests do if i don't forget it's called a Wikipedia deep dive. Okay. And all I need from you is just any faction. It doesn't need to be your favorite, just like one that comes to your mind, like whatever, whatever faction you want. And from that, I create a random squad in Yasby and we learn about the first named pilot. So I can't do something like the Yuzhan Vong or anything like that because they don't exist in our game. No. <laughs> Let's pick a faction. Let's do. I'd say probably the one that I know the least about would probably be Scum. Okay. Good choice. There's Dave's favorite right there. So I'm going to head on Randomize. And the first pilot we got here is Kato Lichos. And then, the famous Kato so... Liachos. I believe he was a Mexican luchador. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna grab the the Wikipedia if it's got a Wikipedia. He Kados Lichos, without even looking at Wikipedia, he's from a FF. He's a FFG creation. What? Oh, for or the role playing game? game? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. If if I'm correct, I, that sounds familiar. Oh, As you were oh. saying it, it popped into my head too. If you guys want to look at it, Brent, I'm gonna go to my podcast chat here. Okay. On Discord, and I just posted a link, and I will post a link in the Twitch as well. Cool. I'm looking. I'm looking. To our listeners. Well, he kind of looks like a Yuzon Vong warrior. Uh, Prince, since you are our guest and you pick Scum, uh, why don't you um, read a bit of the first blurbs here? Uh, you can read the first paragraph for. Of the biography, or do you want me to start at the top? Uh, you can do the top one. In a galaxy far, far away. <laughs> Explore. The Bad Batch. Star Wars. Navigation. Community. Not that top friend. <laughs> now, now read the ad for glasses. I need new glasses. <laughs> okay, sorry, sorry. Oh, uh, my, Mine is um, Verbo. Find your motion, mountain. Oh, these friggin' ads are Vacation tailored to me. Drive away. <laughs> <laughs> it knows I'm uh, looking for new frames, damn it. And it All looks right. like it's just legend. So, we'll so uh, is he considered legends? Yes, it, it is. So, Cato Lichos, uh, legends. Cato uh, Lichos was a Kadasa Nikto male bounty hunter who operated during the early years of the Galactic Empire. Was somebody smashing a keyboard when they came up with that species? Uh, they probably dropped something on their keyboard. <laughs> Kadasa. Right, if you. Uh... 
You can just do like the first paragraph there, and then we'll. I mean, there's not much here we can all share. Oh, you mean do the next paragraph too? Uh, yeah. Okay. Yes, please. Uh, the biography. Cato uh, Lichos was a Kadasa Nikto male who was born during the latter years of the Galactic Republic. Lichos began his career, the service began his career, the service of the hut slave Morbus, as a security guard. He later accompanied Morbus on a trip to the planet Malastare, so that the hut could bet on the world's pod races. However, while Lichos was dealing with a disobedient slave on the edge of Morbus docking bay. Arrival of the hut detonated a bomb, killing Morbus and causing Lichos to lose his right leg, as well as suffering severe burns to his right arm. When a team of grand medics arrived on the scene, Lichos used a hidden cache of credits to bribe them into replacing his leg with a cybernetic replacement. Uh, Justice, do you want to do the next one? Free from servitude to the huts, Lichos worked as a hired guard on Malastare for a period of time, till earning enough credits to gain passage off of the world. From there, he ventured to Rhodia, the only world to which he could afford to travel, where he entered the ploy of the Rhodian bounty hunter Noke, who trained him in the art of claiming bounties. After Noke perished while attempting to claim a contract for the capture of a rogue Jedi during the midst of the Great Jedi Purge, Leecho successfully fulfilled the contract in the wake of his master's death and went on the forge of, to forge a reputation for himself as a successful bounty hunter. Uh, Dave, do you want to take the next two? Yeah, sure. At some point in his career, Lichos purchased a Z95 headhunter for himself, which he named the Blade's Edge. Lichos later betrayed the Pike Syndicate, a powerful underworld syndicate who subsequently dispatched a group of agents to apprehend the Nikto, and the agents subsequently tracked down and defeated Lichos in the depths of the underworld cityscape of the planet Coruscant. Sounds, Sounds like a poor ending for this guy. That's a lot of backstory for an X-Wing character. For just X-Wing. Well, he, you know, he was in FFG's Edge of the Empire. Like, I believe the campaign, like, the one of the first adventures had you searching for him. That's not what um, Wikipedia says. It says the... Oh, actually, hold on. Maybe I'm wrong. Under a Under Black a Sun. Black Sun uh, uh, role-playing w- game. Uh, he was in Lords of, uh, of Nalhata. That was the source book. Yeah. Okay, so we got an appearance in Under a Black Sun, the RPG book, and, and then we got a source in... from yeah. Lords of Nalhada. And is... then Most Wanted and Scum and Villainy. So it's, it is all FFG stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, that's kind of cool. So he um, uh, he worked with a Rodian who was with the Black Sun syndica- or, um, syndicate Hi. and then... Oh, yeah. Yeah, the Brodian Bunny Noke. I was like, that sounds very similar to Snoke. No, I clicked on it. He's just a Rodian bounty hunter. Well, thank you very much for that. That's What's his uh, interesting X-wing ability? Deep dive. Um, Is he the one that steals the focus? <laughs> I think so. From uh, yeah, from a friendly. Yeah. You know what? We've got this special thing called the internet. We can look that up. <laughs> I think he was one of the first ships I played in X-wing. Hmm. So, at the start of the engagement phase, you may choose one friendly ship at range 0 to 2. If you do, transfer one focus or evade token from that ship to yourself. So, he doesn't steal from uh, your opponent. No. He steals from him, from his he own steals. team. Yep. That might be a that, good pairing with Genesis Red. What's that? that? Is it most wanted? Is that the pack that he came in, that ship? 
that was the first uh, scum pack. Well, then and... he's probably one of the first ships I played as well, because that was the that and the Star Viper were the first ships I bought. Uh, the pack and the M3As were the first ships. Yep. Yeah, just put a just put a rocket on him, and then put Kanan in your squad, and just steal one of the multicrow focuses. Boom, you're good. Or put him with Palab. Palab steals, and then from an opponent, and then heals. He steals from Palab. And then I was saying, throw Genesis right in there. Uh, she can token stack by target locking a token stacking opponent, and then Palab steals the stuff. And then Kato steals that stuff. Oh, there's some there's some fun stuff. And then you have this souped up Z95 <laughs> that will die in two shots. <laughs> oh man, yeah, I, I liked the Z95. Um, when they first came out, I would fly um, a, a Rebel Swarm with Z95s and I think B wings. Yeah, it wasn't that good, but I enjoyed playing it. They are uh, a great threat tracer carrier nowadays. But yeah, there's our Wikipedia deep dive. Uh, did we want to um, dive back into uh, more questions? Do, did we have any um, random subjects to, that anybody was thinking about that they wanted to bring up? I have nothing tonight. Yeah, sorry. Uh, did uh, what's um? How did you get to know uh, D and? farmer in them like uh and your relation with them to get all of this tournament stuff up and running um so i think i met both d and farmer at a worlds um and while you know a lot of times i consider myself an asshole uh, i guess i must not have been enough of an asshole for people not to talk to me and you know people come up to me ask me questions i'm more than happy to answer them when I'm done with the tournament, you know, a lot of times I'm there by myself, um, travel alone. Uh, and so I just, you know, um, Hey, you guys want to go grab something to eat? Or they'll be like, Hey, do you want to come hang out with us? And of course I do. I mean, I'm here to interact with the community. The community is great. Uh, I consider a lot of these guys, my friends. So as we start seeing each other at different events, we start hanging out more and more as far as prize support. Um, at least for this event, I was on the fly Better podcast a few weeks ago and um, we were just talking about this prize support. And, you know, since I wasn't sure um, what to provide as well as the funds that were available to me. Um, and they said, you know, we want to help you out. And they're like, yeah, we can definitely do something for you. And then as the podcast ends, like, you know, why don't we provide you some uh, top eight templates? And I'm just like, Oh, that's great. And then they're the first persons to offer it. And then I thought, you know what? I can reach out to these different groups and the worst they're going to say is no. And so, so that's where that's, um, that's what happened. Yeah. I don't, I don't mean to dislike, um, just uh, name drop fly better, but I I've heard your name on GSP on fly better. And everybody's always, um, everybody's been promoting this. And uh, I think I first heard your name on, fly better with uh d talking about you but it's um it's, yeah it's a really cool community we got here yeah uh, and the only reason you know fly better was the first podcast to have me on um but you know i also consider dion a friend um dion and i we we've shared a hotel room together before uh when i was in a sales rep for a different you know before i decided to go back to work for the federal government or the u.s federal government um you know dion 
answered my phone call when I when I gave him my pitch. He listened to it because I uh, that company I felt had some good products that could help help him out. And so you know I appreciate him at least listening to me because you know he didn't have to do that. And yeah, you know Dion's a great guy. Like yeah, I... uh, th- there is no one that I dislike. Um, you know people give the crates a hard time, but really it's just a front for the the crates. You know that's the persona that they that they want to have but i'm gonna be honest with you chris allen's a sweetheart I mean, oh, those guys are yeah, hilarious yeah, those, i love that uh, show. yeah uh th- all those squid pitchers it's just yeah. a front <laughs> uh, i mean with any of the big names that you guys know um i would not hesitate to ask any of them for help and i feel like that if they could provide that help they would and i'm not talking about x-wing help i'm talking about like if i needed help personally and for those people if they needed help and i could provide it to them um i of course would help them as well i mean like these people are my friends and i'm not just saying that i do consider them my friends i consider them part of my extended x-wing family yeah, and as um, as soon as all this uh, border crap and COVID stuff is over, like almost everybody in Ontario has their almost has both their shots. I'm still waiting on my second shot. Yeah, but um, yeah, I, I cannot wait to come down there and, like you said, increase my X-wing family even more. Besides just chatting on Twitch. Yeah, like let's talk talk D. Well, even Chris Allen. Um, you know, these are two guys that. If I have questions outside of X-Wing, you know, I trust them enough to give me an answer like they see it. And what's great about that is that they can be removed. They are farther removed from the situation than I am. And these two guys, they're smart enough to know the answers to ask to get what I may not be telling them. And they will tell it to me straight. And, you know, I appreciate that. And, it, you know, it's not just them. I, I have more friends than just X-Wing friends, right? But these are great guys. And what I'm finding is that the community as a whole uh, is full of great people. Um, everybody's always been, you know, nice to me. They've all been willing to help me. They've done things that um, at the time I might not know them very well, but yet th- they would do that for me anyway. Like, for instance, when I was at Gen Con, Tyler Tippett, um, um, was walking around and I couldn't leave um, the Gen Con event. I wasn't judging, but he um, somebody said he had a game in his hand. I was like, man, I really want one before it sells out. It's like, I got you, man. And he went over and he, he bought me uh, a couple of copies of the game because I said I wanted more than one. And, you know, I, of course, paid him back. But, you know, people don't have to do that. Right. I mean, no. and, and so I, I find that most of the community is very generous, not only of their time, but of any resources that they have. And uh, I don't find many communities like that. And, you know, yeah. I will for always be grateful of the X-Wing people. Even if this game were to die tomorrow, I would consider uh, all of you my friends. We, yeah, we'll still keep it alive. Couldn't agree more. The community yeah. is so amazing. And I don't even play. This is my main game. I have friends that play other games. I have two buddies here in London that play a lot of Magic. 
and they're constantly complaining about the community and getting screwed over or uh you know like beaten down or big dogged like it's it just sounds like the most unfriendly competitive atmosphere to be involved in the magic up here in london anyways i don't, I don't know about yeah. everywhere else but I have, like, I just tell them I have the complete opposite experience on Tuesday. Just don't go down to the game store on Friday. Come with me on Tuesday. Play X-Wing. These guys are awesome. Nobody's yeah, I, trying to screw you over or big dog you or, or uh, you know, beat you out of your cards. Or I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know. I don't play the game, so I don't know. But, man, it sounds like why would you want to do that to yourself every week? I mean, even in a friendly tournament, you know, um, X-wing players were like, "Oh, you missed a trigger. Oh, we can we can re- we can rewind that. No problem. Yeah, Don't worry about exactly. it. Exactly. Oh, hey, you forgot some cards. Hey, I got you covered. Uh, I'll be right back. And they go out to their car. They'll hand you cards. They'll hand you models. They'll hand you dice. You know, just give it back to me at the end of the tournament. Well, I you, haven't heard from anybody. You, that you mentioned the alt art cards. That. Every every squad out there, we're spending our money to make our own alt art cards just to give away to you and share and spread our love of this game, and so that you remember me. You know, like." And, you know, just because I'm not giving them out at my tournament. Oh, no, you sounded totally fair. I didn't mean. Yeah, I mean, no, no. doesn't mean that I don't want to that I don't want to see them there. I definitely want to see them there. And, you know, um, hopefully um, my judges will get a copy of some of those alt art cards. Oh, for sure. I, of course, would like a copy, too. But my judges, they're volunteers. And I wish I had the resources to give them something, and uh, unfortunately, uh, I, mean, I, I don't. I wish you did too. I'm just a teacher, Brent. I'm on yeah. teacher uh, so, salary. Yeah, I mean, I wish I had the resources <laughs> to give them something. So I hope that, and, and of course, the community doesn't have to do this, but um, I hope that you know, some you know, player, some player from say the Twin Cities comes down and they have a stack of alt art cards that they it's like, hey, you know what, you know, you guys are doing a great job here. Have one of these, and you know, if they don't give me one, that's fine. Um, but, you know, I, I definitely want my judges to come away with something because, um, you know, they're providing they are do- they are donating their time to I make sure that you have a good that to make sure that the attendees have a good time. Dion and Marcel were in Toronto and I just went up to Marcel. I was like, uh, do you have any like GSP stick uh, stickers? But instead of stickers, for some reason, my stupid mouse said card. And I was like, oh, wait, that sounds kind of selfish. Just ask for cards. And he just, like, handed me a card and a sticker and said, like, here you go. Like, they're just so generous with everything. And I was um, thinking it's kind of like a a funny comparison but um, because we were talking about magic. But um, having your most expensive ship on the board, firing a, a fully modded Proton Torpedo, and then your opponent rolling... Natties and evading all the damage is equivalent to a counter spell. Putting down your most expensive card. <laughs> I thought that was kind of funny. In my head. Uh, before we uh, close out here, uh, I know that we've been kind of shouting out so many people uh, and talking about the um, Lone Star Open. Um, but is there any other shout outs? Like, it could be anything. It doesn't have to be related to X Wing at all. If you had any other shout outs to, uh, to give out, well, for me, um, I think I'd be remiss if I didn't shout out my mom because without her and my dad, I wouldn't be here. Um, but also, my mom had um, some outpatient surgery today, and um, she's she seems to be doing well. But you know, she's definitely been in my thoughts today. Oh, speedy recovery! Yeah, and then, I wish her well. Um, 
X-Wing's on the brain, so I'm going to go back to X-Wing people. But uh, definitely want to shout out to Justice Beerus. Um, want to shout out to that? Uh, Brian Seraphine. Those are my two judges. Um, like I said before, if if I didn't have their help, I would not be able to do this on my own in a, in a few weeks. Um, uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't um, shout out to Frontline because, you know, one, they selected me to run help them run their event. Um, they've given us a beautiful venue. Um, they've you know, done a lot of behind the scenes work that um, if you've never done event planning before, um, you, you don't know to appreciate. Um, so without Frontline, this wouldn't be possible either. Um, also, of course, you know, I'm kind of repeating myself here, but, you know, we have to thank the community because without the community, we wouldn't have the excellent prize support that we have. And I'm going to name them again. It's uh, Andrew Knuckles at Curled Paw Creatives. It's going to be the Fly Better podcast. It's going to be Gold Squadron podcast, Team Jawa, um, Crate Squadron, um, Renegades. And of course, um, I forgot their name again because I'm a jerk face. Um, the um they are providing the critical hit tokens um like i said i'm i'm, I'm a jerk face because i forgot, <laughs> I forgot you haven't name. sent me that to put on the prize document so i can't help you there either yeah no it's it's all on me but you know it's you mentioned them earlier i, I did <laughs> uh, and but you know it i feel bad for not being able to give them the proper recognition because all of these groups they're here they are making sure that our players have excellent price support uh and i would say that this price support um while it is not unified design like you would see at an official ffg tournament i would say it is as good if not better than what you would receive from ffg um and it's the community that's really come together to make sure that this becomes a great tournament um so i think you know, the community, I thank you guys for having me on your show. Um, and for those players that come out, thank you as well. Yeah, absolutely. Anytime. Um, I know it, it won't be uh, as big as that, like so many people mentioned, but uh, Dave and Justice, did you guys have any shout outs this week? Uh, uh, nothing I didn't a, mention. Go ahead, Justice. I mean, just a Brent and people should come out to LSO, sign up. Yeah, if you yeah, can make I'm it there. down there, go, go, go. Yes. Yeah, I'm looking forward to watching our stream, and I will be trying to. I will be picking up one of those mats as well. Just, okay. uh, just jump the border. They won't know. <laughs> well, certainly the guards on our side are nothing to worry about. It's uh, your your border guards that kind of scary, dude. Look, you got. There are tons of just wilderness between the United States and Canada. Just cross the trees just go to maine i mean that might as well be part of canada Maine. i wish it was Jeez, maine i love maine we'll take vermont too (laughs) hop the fence i'll have a guy named at me what are you doing i'll play star wars just uh paddle across lake michigan and then drive down from there (laughs) i hope it's a great success man this uh we are i think it will be I'm, i'm gonna be watching for sure and i hope it's uh i hope it's everything you want I, I think it will be, and I, I appreciate your support. Even though you guys can't be there, I appreciate it. And thanks for having me on the show. Yeah, anytime. Yeah. And uh, thank you, uh, anybody listening on Twitch and all of our future listeners. <laughs>